<laughs> He's got a lamp. No, 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 I turned on that, bitch. Vibes are on for this pod. Welcome to the Likes of Cash podcast, boys. <laughs> yeah, bro, I was also like doing a bunch of stuff. I'm like, right, we need to do a podcast. So we're doing the podcast. Been a while. All right. Wow. <laughs> JK. JK is the epitome of we're going back and forth between laptop and AirPods to boom arm and books in the background every other podcast. Yeah, bro. People are like, this guy's just like, he's got all these like places he does the podcast, but it's just like, this is home. I'm here. I got my manga in the back. I was about so, to say, be honest, are those CEO mindset books or is that just like Naruto chapters one through a hundred? Let me show you. Let me show you. We actually have a bunch of stuff over here. You know, there's some CEO books, but that's the boring shit, right? But uh, there's this, uh, there's this manga, like volleyball manga, Haikyuu. Enjoy it very much. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of course. Jujutsu Kaisen. This is the Toji episode. No, no spoilers for anyone because I'm a good guy. And there was this like Pokemon thing with all the Pokemon. Sometimes I get bored, man. And this is just what I do. Did you buy any in Japan? Um, yeah, I bought, I bought a few. But um, not for me. They were just souvenirs because I can't read Japanese, bro. Why not? You still want it bad enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, never say can't. You can do whatever you want. That's a limited belief. All the answers are already inside you. All right. Uh, what are we talking about today? I liked the podcast cover. I liked the podcast cover from the last episode with, uh, with the snowy background. Well, it's the inspiration behind that. I just called it your New Year's offer because I'm like big fan of theming stuff. Because it gives people a reason to do things now. So New Year's, right? I launched my New Year's offer. And now I thought, well, what's a reason to listen to this podcast now? Oh, well, it's New Year's. So you might want to craft a strategy. And by the way, this is something I tell people. You want to be, especially as a marketer, you want to be into the habit of giving people reasons to act now. So why buy now? So you can call your offer your New Year's offer. Why book now? And you you, you know, this is like on the DM script, sometimes we'll go, can you please book now because I need to run some errands because I'm in the coffee shop, right? You just need to give them a reason now or why engage now? Can you engage with this so that I know that you want more of this? Can you respond to this email so that I can give you more stuff like that? It's a good habit to tell people do things now and give them a good reason why. So that's why we're in the Christmas uh, with the with the little snow around us. As someone who has a bunch of a bunch of clients, what have you seen are a the best solutions to this end of year it seems like a lot of people are, are complaining about tire kicking and things are slow because of the holidays how do you usually coach your clients to take advantage and turn it into a positive rather than a negative of the holidays being slower everyone's with family people tire kicking to the new year have you noticed people saying that and if not what has your been like your response as a coach yeah so i actually was coached on this one because somebody asked the question what do i do with all these tire kickers and he said something that i deep down knew but i didn't want to admit which was there is no such thing as tire kickers you're just not that good i'm like oh i agree that hurt but facts <laughs> it's true so I realized that uh, the best solution to quote-unquote tire kickers is scarcity and urgency, capping spots. So if somebody is at zero clients, I tell them your new max is one. If you're at, I don't know, it's a slow month, your new max is three or five, whatever it is for you. And you use that in your messaging because the way you message people matters a lot. And the scarcity allows you to have more power when you do so. So to give you an example, if you only have one more spot, 
let's say you're at zero, you could message Marcos and say, hey, Marcos, I only have one more spot left and I don't want you to miss out. Would you like to take it this week before I send an email on the weekend? That it's like a little stronger, right? It gives you some sort of power. And also urgency. Like, yes, December can be slow, but what I've been doing is I've been offering a bonus one-on-one call to everyone who joins so that they have a reason to do it. And I, I came up with like a little clever um, phrasing of it. And I said, you can only get the one-on-one call if you join before the price increase on January. So like double reasons, right? So giving people reason why, 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 it's a very high ROI because it, I, I'm at the point where I'm thinking like, if you have a good reason why it's like 50% of the value of an offer or the effectiveness of an offer. If you give them a good reason why, people just act. And most offers lack that. So I emphasize that over the offer itself. How about you? Yeah, I think I agree with the the you're just not that good thing. I think the entire year people find reasons to tire kick and they find reason. It's just, it's just another objection. And I think what business owners do this time of year is they think because everybody has the same objection that it's the time of year and it's not just the fact that they're not objection handling so they kind of use i feel like business owners will use christmas or the new year as an excuse odds to why they're not closing deals or why they're not making sales but in reality it's just another objection and you get objections year round you know what i mean like that's that sales you have objections so you have to find ways to beat them and i think this time of year is easy for people to blame the year so they will blame the year uh, rather than how can I use this to my advantage, doing things like you just said and, and using it to your advantage and creating new scarcity and, um, you know, yeah. close, close it now before I raise the price in 2024 or, you know, lock in your spot now for a January one launch. I've even done that. I've said, if you want to do a January one launch, we got a 14 day onboarding process. And that's got a lot of people. Like I remember we talked about it in the last episode. It's like, if you want to get in a tax, if you want to get in the tax expense, let's do it now, right? You could turn it and turn the negative into a positive. And now it's going to be, so let's say you launch your stuff in January, right? Best month ever. People are going to come up with an excuse. They're like, no, but I'm going to, I'm going to try the one that I started before you send me that offer. And then in February, it's going to be like, no, I haven't given up on my new year's goals. Let me try that one. And then in March, it's going to be, I have my Q1 goals, but maybe in Q2. And then Q2 comes around and they're going to invent something. So excuses are always going to be there. Like your job as a marketer is not just crafting a good reason, a uh, good offer, but crafting a good reason why every time. Have you ever heard the, uh, <laughs> you have heard the saying, excuses are like assholes. Everyone has one and they usually stink. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, I, it's funny because my goal is um, I want to do four client launches on the first of every month. I have three already for Jan 1. So for me, how do I, I, the one way that I've been able to have already three locked in for Jan 1 is using that in my messaging is I'm, I, we want to launch Jan 1. You need to close now. If you want to start in the new year, we need to do this to start now because I do have a, I really do have a rigorous onboarding process. It's the truth. And it does take 10 to 14 days at least. So I'm able to clip in closing clients in December the same way I would close them any, any other month by just shifting my messaging to if you want to launch by Jan 1 for, to get a fresh new year going, we need to do this. And, and another way I do that is I, I, I lay out a 6 to 12 month map for them. And when someone sees it clearly as like a 12 month map from January to December 2024, they're more inclined to close now because if they close on January 1st, now it's 11 months and it's just like messes up the whole thing. So... That's how I've been able to close. I have three clients already launching on Jan 1, and I'm going to continue to use that messaging to go and close number four or number five or whatever. Curious why um, Jan 1 versus January 7. Like, is it just because you want to you wanna start strong? Because some people might check their email on 
Gen 1, some people might not. And I was kind of debating, should I launch Gen 7 or Gen 1? I don't know. You should launch Gen 1, and that's because Jan 7th is my birthday. <laughs> of course. So we definitely don't want to we definitely don't want to launch on my birthday. So <laughs> launching Gen 1. Well done, man. We we all can use a little bit more excitement in our lives. <laughs> the the actual the actual reason for me is is as an agency, agency math is really annoying when it's not perfect 30 days, like one to one. It's really annoying when I have invoices go out on the 14th or the 15th or the 7th. And then I have like most of my invoices going on the first. It's hard to do like 30 day math. That's why I do the first. Um, but also because it's my birthday. So don't do that. I see. <laughs> well, you will know that January 7th is my parents' anniversary as well. I don't know what. It's also, uh, I, I found out it's Orthodox Christ- Orthodox Christmas is January 7th. Yeah, Ukrainians, I think they celebrate Christmas on January 7th. Pretty sure. Yeah, one of one of my, my assistants told me that, and I was like, oh, no way. I, I feel special. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. You know, my my birthday, bro, let me tell you this. My birthday is May 3rd. Let me explain this to you, bro. My birthday is the same day that my dad was born, right? So I had a birthday every two years, right? Because one was for my dad, one was for me, kind of like that. And it was also the birthday of my first girlfriend. So at that point, I had a birthday every three years. And then it was the birthday of a friend. And then it was the birthday of the mom of a friend. And then another one, bro. <laughs> we had a fucking group chat of people who were born on the same day. And it will be easy to remember for you because May 3rd is the day of the Guatemalan construction worker. So, you know, easy to remember for you. 5'3". Yeah. It's also your height. <laughs> How tall are you, by the way? What I'm 5'9". I'm <laughs> You're 5'9"? Yeah, how tall are you? 6'4"? I'm like, uh, no, nah, I'm like 5'11", 5'10". All right, me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, what we'll do, <laughs> an in-person podcast, we're going to take a picture. We're going to be we're gonna be sitting down because it's okay. I'm not like the fake 5'9". Like, I'm, you know how like people who are like 5'7 will always say they're 5'9"? I'm like actually 5'9", could pass for 5'10". I'm not like the... I'm not a round upper. I'm a, I'm like an honest 5'9". My license says 5'10", so I could pass for 5'10". Well, how much do you bench? I bench 225, so it's perfect. I'm never going higher, and I'm never going lower. For one rep? For like two reps. Oh, dude, you bench more than me. Why, you a one repper? Yeah, I, I go one, and but I couldn't do the other one. Like, I stayed at half, and then my spotter helped me. I got this from this guy on TikTok. I forget his name, but he's the running joke on his TikTok is that he's good at everything, but once a month he does a TikTok, and he goes... All right, boys. You know what time of year, you know what time of the month it is. I gotta go to the gym to see if I could still bench two twenty five. <laughs> he goes to the gym once a month, benches two twenty five for like five reps. He's like, "All right, we're good. I'll see you next month." <laughs> he just he just reps two twenty five and then leaves the gym and never. Do, but he's like a skateboarder, extreme athlete, so he's like actually fit. But it's like that's how I am. I'm like, as long as I can bench two twenty five, I'm good. I I know I don't need to go too hard on chest. Yeah, I I guess so. Like what I've found is that of course like bench present gives you gains but i'm like i'm more interested in wide back and wide shoulders to get that funnel look you know what i mean we're we're about that funnel look at the likes and cash podcast i've always had pretty wide shoulders and like long arms partially because i play basketball like that's just like my genetics but i've always struggled with legs like i have like um i don't know if you know john jones right i have like john jones legs where they're like very no matter how much he lifts he has just like these like long slender skinny legs like that's my genetic build for legs as well so i've always had like leg issues when it comes to when it comes to size which is weird do you skip leg day though it's gonna turn into a genetics uh rant podcast 
Uh, no, I don't skip leg. I do more legs than I do upper. Oh, there you go. Bro, I had my training. Did I, you, you remember that that trainer, that, uh, Kurt? And I'm like, Kurt, should I cut or should I bulk? And just like, he's like, just be a beast, bro. I'm like, thanks, thanks for the information, man. And then uh, he gave me my workout routine to stress legs three days a week. And I'm like, Kurt, like, why are we doing legs three days a week? And he says, because it is important. Done. Nice. We're doing legs three True. days a week. I guess. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, Bali, I was hitting legs like twice a week and upper twice a week. So it was more legs than than upper body. Nice. All right. What else are we talking about? You know, it's funny. It's end of year. A lot of my time has been spent around like operations and fixing things. I don't have a partner. One thing I've noticed, maybe we could talk about partners because one thing I've noticed about not having a partner is you kind of have to get into different modes. Whereas like for me, it's like I'm in operations mode or then I'm in marketing mode or then I'm in sales mode. And one of my biggest struggles is being able to change those hats like very easily and being able to do them all simultaneously. Like right now, end of year, I, like I said, I've closed three clients already and I'm going to, I'm going for four, but I'm also, I'm focused on operations, even though I'm making sales. So it's weird. Sometimes it's weird not having a partner. It's like you got to switch hats four times a month and it gets a little bit hectic. Do you enjoy having a partner? I do. I do. The way I frame it is my partner is in charge of business. I'm in charge of show business. So I get people through the door. He gets, you know, he organizes his stuff. So it's quite enjoyable, to be fair. I will say it worked because when we partner up, we talked about what are all the reasons this is not going to work. So I told them, hey, man, like my previous partnership wasn't the best. So let me tell you what might happen. I got told I was reckless and they were correct. I was told I was immature and they were also correct. So it might be that might happen. Are you okay with that? He said, yeah, sure. It's okay. And he was, right? So I told him, what, what's the thing with you? He told me about his boundaries. He had a family. He needed to take time. That's okay, right? So it's a good reason if you ever wanted to get a partner, just air out your dirty laundry. Just let them know this is why it might not work. But I enjoy it, man, like to be fair. Well, I have another note that I think would be really good to talk about. I made this tweet uh, three days ago, and it got like 30 replies. It, it, it stirred up some controversy. And I just tweeted it randomly because I was just thinking it. But I tweeted, I'm so incredibly bearish on newsletters. I have no data to support this. I just hate reading them. Just me. And it, it stirred up some seriously uh, controversial replies. A lot of people agreed with me. Someone said newsletters suck. Somebody said... They're getting saturated. I also heard people that said that I'm stupid. <laughs> but um, the most interesting reply was from James Camp, who's obviously a pretty big name on on the platform. And he was basically saying that how Agora makes a billion dollars a year from newsletters from just direct response. So I'm curious what your take is on newsletters. And I know because I know you don't really do a newsletter per se. You, you do direct response. So I'm curious what your take is and what do you think about that whole kind of controversy that I accidentally stirred. It was just a shower thought. What's what's the what's the difference between a newsletter and a, and what I do? Is it is it the same? I guess it's just email, no? So I would say a newsletter is very much like it has multiple it like a has theme? like a theme exactly, a theme, a topic. It kind of sometimes they have segments. They're usually monetizing with ads or products or something like that whereas Yours is very much email sell. And I think people respect it because you're giving value, but they also know why you're there. And it's direct response to sell something. And you do it every day. You're just like, yeah, I bought some manga today. And I noticed that uh, it's a Japanese. I don't want to learn Japanese. 
because I like doing easy things. If you want to do something easy, come get more clients with me. Like that's your emails. <laughs> Some stupid shit. But it works. It works. <laughs> Marcus is now my ghostwriter. This was great. I'm, that, that was good. That's right? tomorrow's newsletter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, I can't speak about newsletters, but you know, Jeff Bezos did the interview with Friedman, right? He said one thing I love, which was when I approach a industry, whatever, I don't think about what will change as in the latest trends. I think about what will not change so that I can focus on that because I know it's eternal. I got a lot of value from that sentence because I started thinking what will not change. And I arrived to the exact opposite conclusion you arrived to, which was newsletters are going to be the fucking bomb. They're always going to be here. They're great. And email is here to stay. So, you know, again, we find this common in the podcast, right? That two people have opposite approaches and it works for both of them, right? Now, my approach is daily email, newsletters. I think they're great. I think that people love them because it's just like, you know how every Friday at 12 p.m. Japan, which means Thursday for me, Jujutsu Kaisen releases a new mega. And I'm there at the Reddit getting the notification because I want to read the goddamn manga, right? I think newsletters could work the same way about making it entertaining. The thing is, we all kind of, we are all bullish on the content we like consuming and various on the content we don't like consuming. So I think that you enjoy watching the educational videos, the 10, 15 minute videos showing you a topic. I haven't watched one of those in months. I do not enjoy them. I like either podcasts or long form. That's why I stopped doing them on my channel too much because I just don't enjoy them. And I'm various on that. Does it mean it's going to do bad? No, nah, not really. I think it's, you know, many ways to score a goal. I think that's, I think that's the solution for me. I think it's, I need to create in the way I consume. And I think I need to use my email list to just push video that I'm doing because I think I just hate reading newsletters. I subscribe to everybody. I subscribe to Julia's newsletter. I subscribe to your newsletter. Like I uns I mean unsubscribe. I unsubscribe to everything. I have no I have no chill when it comes to unsubbing. I have a story here. This motherfucker. So he, he's like <laughs> I he's, I'm sending him pictures about the Japan and Korea trip. He's like, "Yo, bro, sick pictures. You must be writing a bunch from all those experiences on your newsletter." I'm like, "Fucking read them." He's like, "No." I'm not reading your news. I'm like, bro, what the hell? What's your problem? What's your beef? <laughs> what did I do to you? Like, am I, am I a joke to you? Like, what's wrong? You know what it is? And I think it's unique to my situation is that I literally, people don't understand. Like, I run a ghost writing agency. I read so much content already. I don't want to read anymore. I read so much of this, like, and I call it, like, medium form where it's like newsletters are like medium. It's not a book, right? It's not long form. It's medium form, long form threads, long form posts, newsletter, email, copy. It's all the same length. And then and then I have short form, which is like tweets. And like I read so much of it on a weekly basis that I'm just like, I can't read newsletters. So everything I do outside of my business work is video. I watch, I don't even, I'm an anime only guy. I don't watch, I don't read the manga. Uh, I only read books if it's like, a biography of someone that I'm interested in. Like, that's the only time I can really read books. Even with fiction, like, I was I uh, was reading Game of Thrones. I was listening to the Audible. I really only read, like, biographies, and it's very rarely. It's because I just can't... If I want long form, it's going to be a book. Other than that, it's my client's content or, like, content research. 
I can't I can't do newsletters. Well, let, let me ask you this, bro. When I see these videos that are like education, the 10, 15 minute videos, even when I read any of those books, right? I get really anxious. Like I could just feel that um, somebody's telling me you're doing it wrong. Everything you have been doing up to this point is wrong. So I just switch it off because I don't like that. Well, here's the thing too. It's like, I don't really watch videos that are trying to tell me what to do. Like I watch videos of people, like I, the way I've always done research is I watch videos from other industries that are actually enjoyable. Like I love anime reactions. I watch Mr. Beast videos because the Mr. Beast videos are great because they're not related to what I do, but you can learn something and actually enjoy them. I watch anime and fiction, which is great for storytelling. Like I'll watch things I enjoy. I'll watch, I love, I love watching soccer or football and highlights for that. Like I'll watch that stuff and then I'll usually apply that and it'll turn into inspiration for me. But I, I agree. I can't watch like <laughs> the 10 minute like edited my story videos or like somebody teaching me, unless I'm like, researching a specific topic of like how to run yeah. ads. I have another, I have a switch of gears. I think that people are giving away too much value and I want a reframe. It's not value-based content that wins. It's insight-based content that wins because value-based content attracts practitioners. Let me say that again. Value-based content attracts sellers. Insight-based content attracts buyers. And ever since I switched to an insight-based approach, I started getting less copycats, but I started making more money because I think I was attracting the right people. So when I posted this, somebody asked me, what is the difference between value and insight? It, this guy helps people land jobs in software. So I said, value for you would be saying, use this template in your curriculum and send it. Insight for you would be recruiters don't really care about you being class president. They want to see all your side projects on your curriculum. Make sure you include that because that actually increases your chances of getting hired. One is value. Take this and run with it. Do it. The other one is insight. Just giving you a better understanding of the thing without actually telling you this is exactly how you do it. I think that the reason why insight works better than value, it's because you want to make people want, you don't want to make people do. When you give people too much value, they do. And they try stuff and they go with, yeah, Marcos, by the way, let me let me try this and then I'll get back to you if this works out. Whereas if you give them insight, it reveals that you have other insights. And I have found that it tends to attract a higher quality of prospects. Value is giving people the how, the little tactics, the send this DM. Insight is giving people the what, understanding something that they didn't know before. That is easier to create, easier to consume, and it attracts better people. So now, fuck value-based content. We only do insight-based content now. Like, there's a time and place, right? But you gotta, you gotta know what, where to put each. There's nuance here. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't think I've really ever. I don't really get clients from value content. To be fair, like most of my clients come from inbound and referrals, and the inbound comes from insight-based content. Like, we did this for this person. Like, it's possible. It's like like minimum value. It's like I, I was just thinking about this. Like it's really hard to get the kind of client I want without it just being like a referral or an inbound. It's very difficult to get them through outbound and like posting like value, like how to write a thread. Like I can, it's never generated a client for me, and it and I don't know if it ever will. But I totally agree there. Like it, it's very difficult. I, I'd literally almost I would say zero clients have come from value content. Like. Whenever I post swipe files or how-tos, it just draws competitors 
and fucking like admirers, but it never draws people who want to work with me. Yeah, it attracts sellers, not buyers. Yeah. So now, like, I think that the goal of let me give as much value as possible for free, I think that metric is flawed. I think the goal is let me give as much insight for free. Because then people get interested in the value, which is what's behind. So this was big. This was a big realization that I came across. And now it's actually been very profitable. So I wanted to share it with the Likes and Cash podcast. But to give you another example so that this is like maybe clearer, I had a video where I gave out my DM scripts. It did pretty well in regards to other videos in my channel. I kind of regret doing that video because everybody started using the same DM scripts. And then I, I kind of fucked myself. <laughs> right? It's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. That's what happened. But when I said, guys, by the way, the secret to this lead flow thing is don't just let people engage. You also got to DM the people who engage with your stuff because every follow is an implicit request for information. And then they're like, holy shit, bro. That's the key. Do you have anything for that? And that's where the sales come. Not from value, but from insight. Yeah, you kind of went against your principles there. I feel like you were always, I, I'm never sharing scripts. And then you randomly just like shared the scripts. Yeah, yeah. I um, <laughs> I uh, changed my mind many times. I've changed my mind plenty of times in the past, but this one was a mistake. Well, there's two things there. One is, um, I think for me anyway, like when it comes to doing the best. I think the highest quality setting or sell by chat scripts are just people who know how to have good conversations over text and just like know how to use marketing and persuasion to their advantage in that. So I think scripts are really just training wheels and like you'll never actually hit peak performance if you don't just know how to have nuance and have a different conversation every time. I also think on the other, the other thing you said is I think I, I tweeted this. It's actually one of my company values, but it's like I love having like an innovators and an inventor's mindset when it comes to business. And it's like, you just throw, you hip fire, spray and pray, throw so much shit at the wall. Like some things stick and some things don't. It's like what that Chamath uh, meme where it's like, I'm in the arena trying things. <laughs> some things don't work. <laughs> but like you have to have, you really do. You have to have that mindset if you want to create actual IP. And like, especially if you're in an industry where, you know, everybody's copy pasting the same shit. If you want to innovate and actually create unique, IP that actually makes you valuable. You have to be able to try shit that just you don't know if it's gonna work. You try it, it didn't work. All right, next onto the. You have to move fast. It's uh, it's try shit and break things, right? It's like in Elon Musk biography, he's in 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 Tesla and SpaceX. He's like the only laws we fall follow are the laws of physics. We're questioning everything. If there's a rule, who made the rule? What did they make the rule based on? I don't give a fuck about rules. Break the rules, right? So you got to have that mindset if you want to actually create IP. I think. Going from like zero, we've talked about this before, but I think going from zero to call it 10K a month, going from like your basic, getting your basic needs met to not be broke is copy, copy something that's already working. And then to actually build a sustainable long-term business, you have to have your own IP and create a real brand and create real unique value for your clients. I think that comes from just trying shit and breaking things. So what is an example of one thing that you were like, this is gospel, this works, but then you broke that rule and you found something better. If you don't have an example, I have an example, but I wanted to ask. Um, I think, I mean, I have a million of those things, but I'd say one of those things would probably be the entire notion behind follower growth, kind of like the original ghostwriting offer, right? You kind of pioneered it, but like the OG offer from 2021, 2022 that everybody talked about was you get this many followers guaranteed and then you do it for free if you don't get there and you do a certain amount of retweets and all this stuff. 
I fucked that. I said, fuck that. I'm like, I'm going to completely change this offer. I'm not going to guarantee growth. I'm going to try and get sales and I'm going to hope it works. And it worked. And my offer completely changed. I was able to charge more money to get less followers because we're able to get sales to cover the cost of our retainer. And I think that was a huge shift. And I had to change how much content we were putting out based on like what I had originally learned. And I had to I had to put out a different amount of content, different types of content. I had to put different kinds of ads, like all sorts of things that I just had to slowly throw at the wall. And like, yeah, I churned clients. And yeah, like some people couldn't get results at first, but I figured it the fuck out. <laughs> you just And I was able to create a unique offer and now no one has the offer I have. And now that's my IP. And I would never sell that for the world. There's a reason I don't tweet. I built my agency to 60K a month. It's just, I don't want to tell you how to do it. <laughs> you know I mean? Will you tell me how to do it, Marcos? Yes. Oh, there you go. We just had a moment. <laughs> That'll be $5,000. <laughs> it's okay, man. If it, if it can work, it works. I'll tell you one thing that uh, changed my perspective. The need for calls to close clients. Bro, there is such a thing as closing clients without a sales call. I was flabbergasted. I was shook when I understood that this was a thing. <laughs> Did they come to scold you? Are you making too much noise? No, I hit, I hit my... Uh... I have a pin board here with all my stuff and I accidentally hit this and I got scared when I was yawning. What is th what is that? What is that stuff? Is that a VR thing? Apple Pencil. This is my AirPods case. That's my iPad. These are my blue light glasses and these are like my military rewards. Oh, nice. I, I thought it was like a like a eye mask or something. Oh, no, it's my AirPods case. AirPod oh, uh, cool. Max. Cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. Good. Thank you for the clarification. Also, did you grow in New York City, New York? What do you mean? You ever watch that that Theo that Theo Vaughn thing? It's like you know how people that are from New York they like say it. What the hell, bro? Okay, the vibes are on for this pod. Yeah, there you go. Well, hold on. <laughs> He's got a lamp. No, 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 a turn on lamp, bitch. Vibes are on for this pod. Welcome to the Likes of Cash podcast, boys. <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, sales calls, right? You don't need that, apparently. So uh, when I started selling just via text, it was shocking to me that you could do something like that. And the key there is you gotta you gotta lower the now number in order to get uh, instead of the big screenshots because that may inc include a lot of volatility in the business. You go for LTV and recurring revenue and getting people to actually stay. So that changed entirely how I think about business without sales calls it's so less stressful man because you know what's the most thing about uh like the most stressful thing about having like a team setters closer sales manager and stuff if you if you run a business by yourself and you don't have calls it's like okay like it's kind of stressful but knowing that they don't have calls because of you and they depend on you filling their calendar that induced incredible amounts of stress on me and I hated it and now that we can do it without that that completely changed my like how I thought about business. I didn't think this was possible, but here we are. It's funny, uh, Julia, this past weekend, she uh, she just decided to like lock in this past weekend for, for the vibes. And she's like, I want to see, I want to see how many leads I can just like close for the vibes. And she ended up closing like two paid in full. So 10K cash, just over DMs with no calls, uh, like literally paid in full with just voice notes. And she was able to close that this weekend and have a 10K cash weekend. Just feel like she was just like, just want to see if I can do it for fun. 
So we so we just worked all weekend and we both closed uh we both closed clients and it was fun and she she able to she was able to do that over I closed a DM a, a sale over DM and she closed two sales over DM so we had we had a 16k cash weekend instead of going out and partying take that Miami nerds <laughs> we don't party so we just were like let's just do that for the buy is it because you don't like it yeah I don't like it I don't, I'm like uh, I'm. I mean, I'm about to be 26. I went to college for four years, so, like, I kind of got my party bug out. Right. Cool. So, yeah, but, yeah, I agree. So, it's definitely it's definitely a tool. Um, you know, whether you do sales calls or not, like, I think you should always – I think it's important to have the ability to do it without sales calls. And I, I learned that this weekend. I, like I said, I closed a client, pretty much my first client over without a sales call last this weekend, and she was able to do it twice just for fun. So it's like a good, it's a great tool to have. If you can do that, if you can close clients paid in full over DMs, you could definitely close them on sales calls. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's definitely, I feel like it's a belief thing. It adds a lot of confidence to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, like that you can do that kind of stuff. Although like for you, right? Like if all your shit started falling apart and you've, you let's say you spent six months just doing DMs, closing people over DMs. For some reason, let's say next month, you're just unable to close them over the DM. Would you not be confident that you can go on sales calls and close them? If you've been doing it over DM, you could definitely do it on sales. It's like, it's almost like you add a layer of security. It's like, I could just do this with DMs. So if anything ever goes wrong, I could definitely do it with sales calls. You know what I mean? It adds like an extra layer of no stress. Cause you're like, why am I stressing? If I really need money, I could just go and do sales calls. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think about <laughs> that a lot. Like some, I think about, well, if this whole English thing fails, so like my business just plummets. I'm just going to go and do marketing in Spanish because marketing in Spanish is like five years behind or like 10 years behind. It's actually really bad. Yeah. If you, if you ever want to, Oh, that's, I have a, I could put a pin in that. If you like for you, it's like, if you ever are sitting there and you're like, Oh, I want to make a billion. You could just go and you could just go and re up your sales team and be like, yeah, I could go close 30 sales a month <laughs> and you could probably run it up. Like if you really ever got the bug, Number two is I had a guy on this Twitter space over this past week and he said, uh, he was talking about Spanish, the Spanish market. And I had an old client who was, who targets Spanish speakers. It's like a humongous market of people who are, they speak Spanish and English, but they need Spanish speaking advertising. It's a huge market in America. It's like the most popular language. <laughs> like so like in Florida and Texas and stuff? Oh yeah. Florida, Texas, New Mexico, California, Arizona, it's Denver. It's like a huge market. Um, I mean, even where I grew up in Massachusetts, humongous Latino market. Like, um, if you ever shit hits the fan, you can go for the Spanish English advertising. Oh, well, there you go. Great. Well, that's a thing. You're welcome. Uh, thank you, bro. Um, how about scarcity? Do you use scarcity? I I found that when I started using it, I closed more clients. Incredible. Who would have thought? Ah, uh, you know what's funny is like my I do use scarcity. My version of scarcity is I am like I just always talk about how I don't work with a lot of clients, and I I frame my sales calls in a way where it's like as much as I am like I'm giving them for the first part of the sales call is them telling me their situation and their pitch. I want to know what their what's their story, why they booked the call, what's your business about, and then if it gets there, I'm like okay, you, you fit the criteria. Now I'll pitch you. Like you have to actually apply, which is the truth. Cause if you, if you go in, a, if you were talking and you're like, I'm at zero, I help people make money online. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm not even going to make you the offer. So my version of scarcity is on the individual sales calls. Like you're applying to me first, you know, assuming you're not a referral, like you're applying to me first. And then I'm going to give you my offer. If I think you're a good fit. Cause I don't even want to give you 
like I've done, I made this mistake of giving my price like and, and, and the details ahead of time, but I shouldn't even, I don't even like giving my price or details of my offer to people who don't qualify. feels wrong. doesn't feel right. So, um, it's like if you go to, if you go apply for Harvard, you think you're allowed to go sit and talk to the guidance counselor about your career path after Harvard. If you didn't get in, like you got to get in first before you can like learn about the the potential path and like all that stuff. So that's kind of how I, I started treating it. Cause one, it's just annoying to go and give your price to someone. And then you, they like, they either never talk to you again or something like that. And then it's just like, well, now they have my offer. I don't like that. Yeah. Two, it's because they don't, they shouldn't get the offer if they don't qualify anyway. You, you, you feel that way too, right? You tell someone the price and then they ghost you and you're like, ah, now it's out there. It's like so annoying. I feel, it, it feel I'm a little it bit It felt a little secure. annoying in the beginning, but now like, I don't care anymore to be fair. Like I make it clear because like I did care a lot, but now I just send them the offer. Like I don't care because like you, you and I do the same, the same thing that a different way. With its uh, truth-based scarcity. Like you actually have a certain amount of capacity. And I made a commitment to only take a certain amount of clients. And I think that is what moves the needle. Because people understand like, you know, power always goes to the most limited resource. When supply is unlimited, like I ask people, how many clients can you take? And they're like, as many as God can send me, right? I'll just take anyone. But I tell them, we don't do that here. Like I'm trying to coin this term as in there's content creator and then there's cash creators. Now I tell them cash creators cap their spots because they are clear on how much money they want to make. And they value predictable revenue over like volatile revenue. So what I tell them to do is what I urge everybody to do if you're listening to this and if you want to get leads to move faster through your funnel is find out how much money you want to make in a year. So find that number. Divide that by your price. And that will give you kind of how many clients you need. Now, you divide that over 12. This is rough math, which is how many clients do you need per month? So you find out how much you want to make, how many clients you need, and then how many clients you need per month. And that becomes your new max. And you will find that it's not incredibly high. It's not unlimited. And same offer. But one person says, I'll take as many clients as you want to come in. And the other person says, I'm actually only taking three people this month. The, peop- the guy with three people this month is going to get more attention. Just by doing that one exercise, you make leads move faster because it shifts their dynamic. It doesn't make you an unlimited supplier. It makes you a limited supplier. And limited suppliers tend to sell more and faster than unlimited suppliers. That's a, that's an, I'm going to actually apply that because I only take, I'm only taking four a month. I don't need more. I don't need, I don't need anything else. Um, that's a ghostwriter, bro? Holy shit, you got good systems. Oh, yeah. It took two years. <laughs> it took two years to build, <laughs> to be fair. Most people quit after four months. <laughs> oh, my God. Losers. Bro, you, you, just, you just hit me with the platitude. You know, you know the tone in which you said that? It's the same exact tone that people go with. You changed. You didn't. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I've done, I have a, a whole spreadsheet that lists out um, how many new clients I need per month at X churn, at X how many X amount of, of sales calls, X amount of average ticket price to hit X amount of revenue. Like I have it broken down from literally for every month of next year already. And that's what I've, I've basically done exactly what you said and reverse engineer it. And it's, you could do this for any business. You go, you start from the top. What's your goal revenue? How many new clients do you need? What's your average ticket price? What's your average churn? Blah, 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 blah. And you'll have exactly what you need to do. Now reverse engineer that into action items and you're done. 
and and then obstacles, and then you kind of have exactly what you're what you're gonna do. And you could even break that down to what you need to do every day to hit that goal. It's all math. Math is everything. I was reading this book um, by Jeremy Haynes, who's has like a a mill a month business, and it's basically that. It's everything can just be reverse engineered by the math. And once you reverse engineer the math, you get the belief. And once you have the belief, you just have to take action on it. And you know exactly what you need to do, do each day to hit your goal. And it's definitely uh, the math makes everything believable. Yeah, big fan, man. Like, big fan. Like, And like, yeah. And it makes it, your message stronger. There was this woman. Her name is, I don't want to say her name. But there was this woman that she used to coach for 10 years, bro. 10 years of coaching for free. And... Free? She sold, yeah, free because she sold this kind of supplements, like, you know, some, you can sell like little herbal teas and little like supplements and it's like a network and multi-level marketing stuff that. So she was selling those stuff. She was coaching people for free and she's like, can't close clients. Like this is, I just can't do it. And I'm like, how many clients do you have? She's like zero. I'm like, your new max is one. You're only taking one client this month. Because that will allow you to go to people and say, I'm only taking one more client this month. Are you still interested? I only have one more spot. Do you want it before I post tomorrow? Scarcity gives your message power. So it's it's so counterintuitive. It's like energy, right? Have you ever felt super low energy? Then you train. And after you train, you're feeling great because you gain energy by expending it. It's kind of like counterintuitive. With clients, sometimes that can happen. You make more money by limiting the people you work with. But people don't know this because we've been caught up in the to the moon, bro scaling. Nah, bro, I'm going for the milli. Like, if I want it, I get it, but I pay for it. <laughs> I like it. I ain't trying to wait for it. Everything that I wanted was made for me. I was serving and trust us faithfully. Everybody with me, can I say grace with them? Anyway, you understand the point. Chat, clip that. <laughs> clip that. It's, uh, I think it's grace by 40, for Doug, something like that. 24, 24, 42, Doug. You know what I was listening to? Uh, anyway, cap response, gentlemen. Yeah, what I was listening to, and we could, uh, this could be the last thing. What I was listening to was the Jeff Bezos and Lex Friedman podcast, which by the way, is sick. It's his first, it was like his first real sit down kind of interview podcast in that style. And that guy is really smart. But something he was talking about was uh, one way door and two way door decision making. I don't know if you heard that part. Yeah, yes, sir. Where it was essentially, and then, and then also disagree, but commit. And I thought it was interesting because I was talking to someone about this where it's like, as a business owner, especially if you delegate things, is like every decision is either one way or two way. One way is if you can easily go back on it, then it's a two way it's a two way door. If you can't really easily undo the decision, then it's a one way door. So like, for example, Amazon Prime was a one way door decision where it'd be very difficult to go back on that, on releasing Amazon Prime. And it's gotten me to start thinking about these decisions where like, because you know, for me, I have a lot of direct reports since I have a small team. So everybody's kind of reporting to me asking for decisions, right? So if it's a one, I'm going to start categorizing them as one way and two day, two way door decisions. If it's something that can easily be undone, it's like just quick, yes, no, whatever. If it's something that can't easily be undone, I have to kind of put that in the one way bucket and really think about it. And I'm curious, do you have like a decision making framework right now? Or is it very much just like whatever? Or did you learn anything from that podcast? at all uh, no bro like my decision making framework is honestly what feels right because i do trust my intuition i know that he also said something in that pod which is i know it wasn't in that pod i think it was just a he said it at some point but not in that pod he said anxiety is you not doing something that you should be doing which could also be reversed anxiety is you doing something that you shouldn't so often 
if I'm going down a path, it feels kind of off. Like, you know, one thing I hate, talking head videos, bro. But like you pulling out the phone and saying, I'm going to record 10 talking head videos. Kill me, bro. I hate it. It's horrible. So it's like, it felt wrong, but I'm like, everybody else is doing it. So I got to do it. You know, the selfies, the vulnerable stuff, the elaborated photo, you know, hopping on. It's me on the news. That's me with newsletters. <laughs> I start writing it and my fingers start getting into pain and cre creaking. I can't do it. it Bro, hurts. you write like <laughs> thousands of words today. How is this a fucking issue to you? I do not understand. You talk, you talk on video a bajillion words a week. How is a talking head video that hard? I don't understand. Damn. You got me. Platitude. You got, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got exposed 4K. Hopefully it's 4K. Yeah, I just got exposed <laughs> in the podcast. Holy shit. Yeah. You know what? Good point. Now, let me give a cop-out answer. So it is because the energy is off. You know, it's because you don't... Cons no, I'm for real, though. H hold on, hold on. Like New York? No, <laughs> no you, you you forgot New York City, New York. You got you oh, gotta my bad, my bad. double NY, emphasize NY. that you're rich. Yes. 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 Okay, so it's because the energy is off. It's because you don't like consuming it. You kind of have that idea that People are not going to like it either. Bro, stop fucking laughing, man. I'm explaining some good shit right here. I'm dropping game and you're laughing at my face. You know, I'm going to just make my screen bigger than yours. Hold on. So I, I don't have to see you. Here's the thing. So you got to, if the energy is off, then it doesn't. That's why I don't like recording those educational videos more than workshops. Like, I love workshops. It's like hour and a half of me talking to a Google Doc and explaining things. I love that. I enjoy that. But the 10-minute videos where I'm like, but if you stay... Till the end of the video, I'm going to give you the secret. Number seven is a new one. Mm. But this one doesn't make sense if you don't go to number 10. It's like, bro, shut up. It's like, I do not enjoy that. So anyway, uh, decision making is if it feels off, then don't, not, don't do it. Because your God's never wrong. And you'd be amazed at how many incompetent, stupid, idiotic people are making ridiculous amounts of money. They just use so many weird ass methods. And I think that this, that once I understood that everything is right and everything is wrong, it revealed a lot of pressure off me because you just can't do it so many different ways. And that was really liberating to me. So follow your gut because there is no right and there is no wrong. You know, out of that, uh, out of all these books that I haven't read, there is one that I do, that I have. It's Breathe by Hicks on Gracie, arguably the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter of all time. He has one sentence in there that changed my life. It says... Nothing is 100% positive or 100% negative, meaning that whatever path you choose, you're probably going to be okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the best thing in the world. So that relieves pressure from you, which means that just follow your gut because that puts you in a position in which the decisions are probably going to be right because if you fail, you fail your way, which feels better often than failing doing it somebody else's way. I like it. Let's end it with that. Thank you for listening, boys. Cheers. To the next one. Have a good New Year's.